to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Everyone, this is the Dr. Pat Show, and I'm Dr. Pat. Loving this, loving this, loving this, loving this day. Lots to talk about today. Thank you for all your fabulous emails. And, and let me just say this: if you ever have a question or a comment, um, I read them all. So please feel free to send any of your emails, questions, comments. We'd love to hear from you. To live l i v e at the Dr. Pat Show dot com, and that is T H E D R pat show dot com now we have a fabulous lineup today it is what we call a twofer we're having uh two guests on today and we're going to be talking about some amazing trends some amazing things we see in the world first we're going to be talking with uh shankara sharanam and we're going to be talking about god without religion i have a number of questions especially in light of a new movie that is out that is called v for vendetta and i i want to have a conversation about uh, a number of the things in the book and we want to congratulate him for being a finalist in uh, again another award going to this book and we'll talk about that and then the second half of course sue storm the angel lady will be here i would love to let you know that at any point in time any point at all during the show if you have a question or comment Please write these numbers down. This show today is open all day, all hour, for your comments and questions at 425-373-5527. That's 425-373-5527. And Benny will just hit the light and we'll bring you on as you come. one 298 5569 that's 1-888-298-5569 let me just say a little bit about the book the book is called again God Without Religion and there is lots to talk about regarding this book but the underlying theme is questioning centuries of accepted truths and what does that mean and we're going to talk about that right now Uh, but for those of you that haven't heard the uh, this is uh, the third of a three part series we're doing with Shankara and I want to let you know that the archives are up at the drpatshow.com and these are wonderful interviews thank you so much for joining the show today oh thank you well the book uh let's talk about the idea that this book is and and you are being recognized as well that this book is a finalist uh in uh is it forward magazine for 2005 and the awards associated with that and i wanted to get your take on how that has come to be and what your view is uh, regarding what people think of the book. Because there are many, 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 many people that are just thrilled with the book. But I wanted to get your sense from it. Well, I must say, the um, you know, we get a lot of um, email, of course, on our website, godwithoutreligion.com. People go there from wherever, from a friend, Google. But uh, any of the negative stuff I, I get um, is not written by people who read the book um it's people who are reacting to it, the title mostly they're reacting to the the concept just a visceral reaction uh, threatening the sense of uh, religious sense of identity and i think and you know most of the time when i read what they're saying it's you know it's uh, ex- often extremists uh, but it's often it's not even necessarily extremists uh uh they um if they actually read the book 
they'd, they'd find all the the fears that they were expressing or the um, threats that they were feeling wouldn't wouldn't even be there. Well, and that was my experience as well, and and so it really does open the door for a conversation about uh, the you know the question I think that every one of us has been grappling with for centuries, uh, centuries, centuries, and you come right out of the gate. And what I love is also a, a little bit about the forward. In the forward, uh, you you have that was written by. Um, uh, Gandhi, right? Arun Gandhi? Mm-hmm. Okay, and so the question that uh, is presented right in the first sentence is, what is God? Mm-hmm. And how that has baffled people years and years and decades and decades, and you have elected to take that question on. Yeah, well, uh, what's funny is it's, it's one of those questions that, that needs to be asked and only tentatively answered <laughs> throughout life. You know, you, yeah. you, you get an answer and then you challenge that 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 to answer with more questions so it's a it's a lifelong process of asking that question it's not it's not oh what it is it get the answer and then that's it no it's it's the answer is to constantly be challenging it because our our idea of god and our idea of self is going to be the same thing so if we want to continue to expand our sense of self we have to continually expand our ideas of god and that requires continual questioning so what do we call the gap between what we perceive as god and that which we perceive as ourselves, when it's not one and the same. Well, they actually are. They are one and the same. The gap, though, is the is the not un, unable to make that connection. Now, for example, uh, we often have ideas of a perfect being separate from us and ourselves as sinners or uh, fallible, um, you know, uh, guilt. You know, a lot of organized religions do sometimes even promote that, um, especially with certain injunctions they're they're requiring or um, from people. But um, but when we when we uh, think about that God, uh, let's say we have that fear or guilt in life, and we create this perfect being. In fact, though, if we if we if you look at it and again, we start to question that, that perfection again, it becomes a, a judgmental God. It becomes a God that that actually again reflects us, but yet we we see this there's this gap like well i can't I can't really see that because I didn't really probe my God, I just just you know wrote him off as perfect and me imperfect, but if you actually dig deep, you'll see the that God is actually reflecting your imperfections too uh, so why is it that we have so many people suffering in the world? So many people that are at this place of of despair, and yet that, on the other hand, there are so many people just having a good old time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's you know, uh, is the world all about contrast, or is it who can figure out the magic bullet first? <laughs> yeah, the magic. Uh, you know, there, if there is any magic bullet, it, it really is in in questioning, continually questioning, and not being stuck on any one answer. Because when we get stuck on an answer. We begin to identify with it, and then we begin to defend it, no matter if it's right or wrong, or if it's the best answer. Or um, it usually isn't right or wrong. It's all about shades of shades of truth, and trying to reach for an absolute truth. But I, I think the the world is in the state it's in a lot because of the the vulnerability of our of the self. Uh, and I speak about that in God Without Religion. Uh, the uh, Systems, social systems, especially centralized social systems, create vulnerability, and that vulnerability means we're, of course, um, all too receptive to certain ideas, especially extremist ideas, which give a little comfort zone. 
And then the most comforting aspect about them is that they not only don't require questioning, but they actually inhibit it. And they, they say, in fact, don't question, or that there's an anti-intellectualism that comes with them, which is all very comforting, because then I, that justifies lazy thinking or no thinking whatsoever. Right. So, you know, when you've got that on a massive scale of millions and billions of people without proper education, and then you've got resources, and then overpopulation, and then ecological devastation and degradation, you know, uh, extremist regimes, uh, I include the United States in that, uh, on some aspects anyway, uh, you know, <laughs> you've, you've got, you know, the third planet from, in, from the sun in the solar system. Yes, yeah, exactly. It, what's really interesting to me is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with a movie that just came out, uh, oh, I guess last weekend maybe it was, it's called V for Vendetta. And um, there, I'm not really even sure how it's doing at the box office. Maybe Benny could check. But uh, um, the conversation about the movie and what seems to be grabbing everyone's attention is beyond the fact that they created this movie that's supposed to be an action movie. And what the movie supposedly uh, talks to is the idea of having uh, sort of uh, this anarchy, having, you know, someone in control and power and the oppression that develops from that. And the response to that, of course, is by this individual, V, for vendetta, with, again, this idea of terrorism. I mean, so people are using this movie to overlay it in our society to overlay it in terms of religion and overlay it in terms of taking, um, you know, action for the oppressed used it based on violence. How is all of this coming together as we, I mean, if, to have a movie like this come out sort of on the, on, the, on the cusp of talking about a higher vibration on the planet is almost, again, in contrasting. As a matter of fact, the movie was number one at the box office. Mm. So... You know, it must be a powerful movie. My, my, I got a call from my mother the day after she saw it, and she started to break down in tears talking about the movie. And I mean, this has never, I mean, she's a movie buff. She sees a movie about once a week. She has never called me and started to cry on the phone. Um, so I, I suppose I have to see this movie, but, um, she did tell me all about it. And, uh, she told me also, too, that when she left the, the theater, all the people were talking right out, you know, usually people don't talk to each yeah. other after they leave a the theater, and then they did this time, and um, so, yeah, it, but she said it seemed to be about, uh, well, it was in it was in Britain, and uh, again, about a centralized political power uh, and the way it's sort of Orwellian um, attitude towards the, the, the population. Uh, that's what, that's what she said it was about. Uh, yes, and I think that's pretty much, I mean, it's really interesting the way people are interpreting this movie and really, uh, you know, looking at it from a lot of different perspectives. But the question that I had, and, and I'll wait until you hear the movie and see the movie and then have you come back. Mm -hmm. But the question that came up uh, from one of my listeners had to do with, this is a movie, number one at the box office, touches on every nerve that this individual had. And yet at the same time, uh, where is the spiritual thread in all of this? You know, can we move past the idea of violence to a place and a vibration of spirituality and that's what I want to ask you. Mm. Well, um, I, you know, I talk about that in God with our religion. Um, I know. And um, the, you know, if you look at uh, history and the way changes come, uh, you know, uh, 
analyzing this for many, many years, I, I've come to the conclusion that um, centralization, people have this habit of giving their power to a centralized authority, through fear, through whatever. Uh, what um, In uh, sociological terms, it's called mimicking the elite, um, distancing our power. And uh, historians like Toynbee would say there's a habit you know, in the masses, we're almost indoctrinated into this habit from birth to continually distance our power. And the only way to uh, undermine that is not by, um, you know, telling people don't do it, because, you know, there's never been a, you know, a thinking majority in the history of the human race. And maybe it's time for it, but even then, um, you know, Spinoza would say the same thing. He'd say the only way for millions and millions and millions of people who are indoctrinated into this habit is by mimicking uh, reason mimicking um, social sacrifice, mimicking um, asceticism or the um, creativity instead of the conservative elite, they mimic the create the creative, and so they're they've got the habit of centralizing and distancing their power, and then they just shift it to um, directing it to a different centralization, and that I think is like a Martin Luther King or or Mohandas Gandhi. Mm-hmm. That's you know. Which is why uh, Arun uh, giving the forward was so touching to me because this guy was a, was an exemplar of somebody who centralized power on himself, but he gave it back to the people by by being himself an ascetic. Um, and then when people saw that, they mimicked him. They mimicked his asceticism. They mimicked his sacrifice. And when you do that, they get the power back. And, and that's the, that to me is you know we have this dichotomy, like you say, of this vibe. Violence and and um, and greed and I mean I don't need to tell you the news um, and you know to go around that I, I see it as people needing to give their power to a centralized individual like a king or Gandhi to inspire them to practice the asceticism the social sacrifice necessary to get their power back. Um, and there are many, many people that, you know, create that energy that really believe in a kinder, gentler place and really in saving the planet and saving each other and saving loved ones and so many things that we've seen with Katrina and with the changes around the globe. People coming forward uh, and really saying, you know, I'm here, count me in, let me do this. What I, what I wanted to talk to you a little bit about is uh, how we get to have this conversation now because we see people in the media we see people coming forward but there's a chapter in the book where you um talk to us about communicating openly with our family and friends Mm. and you talk a little bit about you know creating an invitation to have a different kind of conversation about spirituality and spiritual practice so can we talk a little bit about that for our listeners because you know for me i grew up Okay, I grew up in, believe me, I went to Catholic boarding school, right? Mm. So, but now I don't, I'm not a practicing Catholic by choice, but I belong to uh, another system of, of spirituality. I belong to a, a center that talks about the God within and really encourages that. But I'll tell you, it's one of the most difficult conversations to have with my family and friends that are not in the conversation that we're having today about the way that you talk about spirituality and God without religion. Mm. So I would love for you to help us all with giving us some ideas about that. And what was your personal experience? I mean, I know you've been over in India, so maybe it was different. 
Well, you know, I I, I was brought up in a Jewish family, right. and uh, they weren't, uh, you know, Orthodox or anything, but, you know, there was a sort of a Jewish pride um, inculcated. Uh, uh, I would say the one of the, the the easiest ways to make have start a dialogue in that regard, of course, you know, uh, to adjust the opening of your question, when, to rely on the media to start a dialogue is a waste of time. The media, to me, is a uh, shot, mm. <laughs> gone. You know, the fourth estate is history. You know, it needs to be started again or something. I don't even know what. Uh, I'm so disappointed with the media. Um, again, it's another centralized power, corporatism. You know, the local media, I think locals where the real conversations need to be. So the government needs to be local again. Media needs to be local. Uh, it gets a lot harder hitting. Um, you know, that's, you know, like shows like yours. But if you're if we're getting even more local to the home, um, for example, if you're Christian uh, or Catholic, you know, whatever uh, denomination, you can say, first of all, Christianity d- did not begin at the beginning of time. There's a, there's a particular time frame where it formed and developed over centuries. And even if you want to talk about Jesus as a historical figure, uh, even though no one ever said that Jesus started Christianity, but even if if you want to call him the, uh, you know, to bridge the conversational gap between mm-hmm. you and a Christian, say, you know, his inspiration, his um, divinity, or whatever you want, you know, what words they use to, that inspired the tradition, you can say simply, you know, this is an individual who inspired something new and from something that came before, even though, you know, him, he, the words of Jesus are not really saying anything as opposed to the prior Hebraic tradition, it's basically repeating the same thing that the prophet said. But let's say, you know, they say there's something new, a new revelation, New Testament, new covenant with God. Then you say, well, now here I am. Now, if this is something that this person did, why can't I start a new covenant with God myself? You know, Moses did that, and there was a new new covenant with God after leaving Egypt. You know, it's a mythic, but if they take it as historical, fine. Uh, you know, Joseph Smith, even, um, new revelation, new covenant, new new mission, new church. I mean, all these people that they're following uh, had did the very things that you want to do for yourself in your life. So if they did it and they're following them, why can't you do it too? I mean, if you, I would think you'd be even more taking them as an example. Moses, Buddha, Jesus, uh, Muhammad, uh, to, to start your own idea of God and idea of self and you know when it comes down to it our religion is our own sense of self that's the that's the uh, religion we're all relegated to so um, yeah people you know if people can take the word of somebody who was alive thousands of years ago and um, follow the religion that they supposedly started well they know you and they love you you and their family they should be able to take your word that you're sincere and you want to dive inside yourself for something new too well yes and and it's always been an interesting conversation because well, i want to get back to the book for those of you that are just tuning in i want to uh, let you know for sure that uh, we're talking about the book god without religion questioning centuries of accepted truths uh shankara sharanam is here with us this book now is a finalist there are two other interviews that we've had regarding this book and regarding how each and every one of us can explore the divinity within inside us inside ourselves and so we're having a conversation and and the question i asked is how do we share this with family and friends i want to get back to something you said because you know out of out of 
many years of my own personal spiritual practice and 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 very intimate relation with jesus the man jesus the teacher um there is there are not many things that i can remember ever reading from the bible or from the scriptures or from any of that but there is one thing that i absolutely have never forgotten and sort of paraphrased it and it is exactly in line with what you've said i mean it is the the phrase that jesus says when he says greater things than these you shall do and, and you know what I'm saying? Oh, that's a great. Isn't that an inspiration for somebody of that caliber who's been, you know, again, Jesus Christ and Jesus are two different things. Jesus was created Christ over centuries and developed, but Jesus and man, let's say he said that for somebody of that caliber to say that to, some, to us obviously means we are challenged to do great things. Yes, greater even. Greater. Greater yeah. even. To boot, yeah. To boot. And yet here we are. Uh, right? This is what's always been mind-boggling to me from, from being a very, very young child. Greater things than these you shall do. And yet, some of us, a lot of us, really have, have really committed to answer the call or, you know, come to the place where we can actually believe believe that we can do greater things than Jesus. Now, of course, if you're coming up in the religion that, that, that I grew up in, I mean, I remember what happened to me the day I, I asked, where does God come from? That was taboo in itself. But this is truly, these greater things really are, are these the things that you talk about in the book that come from this place of intuition? Mm. Well, boy, uh, great question. Um, I I think that um, to do those to find out what those greater things is, you know, it it requires colloquium. It requires asking questions. That's the first step. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, some of the greatest things people have done is really um, being able to be in solitude, to to look within, um, to not fear to not fear uh, loneliness, to not fear uh, have self hate, self doubt. Um, to look within with some strength, with concentration and courage, uh, develop intuitive faculties, and and from that centralization of power in ourselves, ceasing to distance it into or centralized institutions, whether they be religions or academia or or government, you know what doesn't matter, or you know medical practice, uh, we centralize it in ourselves and. So many of the things that we thought we couldn't do because we had to rely on this centralized power to do it, all of a sudden we we can do. We are much more self-reliant. And self-reliance, uh, in the way that Emerson would use that term, is I think is 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 one of the most important um, principles when you go back to something that Jesus said um, that even greater things. Um, because I, I can't think of much greater than self-reliance. And I don't mean you don't need anybody, not, uh, not at all. In fact, on the contrary, we, we unite with people. We identify with them more. We are able to congregate with them more. We, we don't fear them anymore. Uh, uh, not simply, oh, I don't need anybody. It's, it's not that at all. It's, it's, rely, it's less reliance on the, 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 the little things, the, the fears that, that we, we sometimes we become so part of our systemic and our, and our identity that we never want to let go of them. The, and again, like you say, the crutches that we hold on to just so we don't challenge ourselves to do those things. Um, and those crutches are often provided by these centralized institutions, which is why it goes back to not mimicking them, not distancing our power and giving, in, giving our power to them. 
decentralize it in ourselves. And like you say, the, the, the practice to do that is intuition, meaning look within. Literally, when you look within, right. energy goes within, centralizing it in ourselves. Yes, and there is a saying, you know, everything that you need, everything that you want is right there in front of you and also inside. And, uh, you know, this is why this book, and of course, I could see why you're getting flack for the title. I mean, I, I'm, it's clear to me that, you know, folks that perhaps have, you know, suggested that there is something wrong with the book have not read the book because what you're doing is what so many people are doing right now, but you've laid it out in a way that really leaves it open for everyone to step forth and explore this with you and explore what God really is without fear and without guilt and without shame. Mm. That's and, and, this book. You, you know, it's interesting. It's, I, I get the whole spectrum of, of uh, misunderstanding. Somebody, somebody once wrote me, okay, no, no religion, but why God, too? And then I write, write back and I say, um, the God of God without religion is not the God, monotheistic God of religions. It's not Yahweh or Zeus or Dionysus or Mithra. Um, they, just, they just go to the book assuming God means this. Not realizing the first chapter, first page, what is God is the question, you know. Yes. Um, and, then, and then, of course, you get the other end of the spectrum, you know, uh, where somebody says to me, why don't you believe in God? And I, and I write back, excuse me, but the title is God Without Religion. Because it was without religion that they, they got offended and they assumed, I, I must mean that God doesn't exist. And my mom me actually god is existence <laughs> yes and that is the point of this book that is so well said god is existence and that is really the place and the challenge for each and every one of us i mean we're promoting a sacred activism conference right here in seattle mm -hmm. and you know this whole idea about activism and then combining that with spirituality and sacred action is the blessing of knowing that place within which is divine and taking action that god would take or the divine that God would put forth in taking action. It is that action that I think you refer to in the, in the book. And I want to let everybody know, this book is available everywhere. And if you're in the Seattle area, of course you can go to East West Bookstore. But right on the, it's online everywhere, isn't it? Uh, yeah, Amazon, uh, Barnes & Noble, and you know, my site, GodWithoutReligion.com. And there are lots of things on the website, so check out godwithoutreligion.com. You know, I love these interviews. I love talking to you. I'm always uh, amazed that they're so short because, you know, I'm just, we're just getting warmed up. But yeah. I, I hope that you will come back. And for sure, uh, if you take a look at the movie and, and you want to respond to the movie and send an email to me, I'd love to make sure we have a conversation about that. Mm. But uh, Yeah, I'll, I'll see with my mother. She wants to take me to see her. All right, good. See, she wants to even see it again. Yeah, probably. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for joining the show and My look pleasure. forward to hearing from you again. Uh, also, everyone, please remember www.godwithoutreligion. Check it out. Uh, find out what people are saying about it. And for sure, um, I, I noticed one of my favorite peeps, Melissa Etheridge, named it her favorite book. Wow. Yeah. Isn't that awesome? Yeah. That's amazing. So this book is really spreading everywhere, and we wish, wish you just lots and lots of love as you take your powerful message forward. Thank you. Thank you, and, and to you too as well. All righty. Thank you. All Let's right. take a short break, Benny, and uh, when we come back, we'll be back with Sue Storm, the angel lady. You're listening to the Dr. Pat Show. And if you'd like to connect with your angels and Sue Storm, the way that I know how to do that as we do the show, 